Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about semi-pro. Baby, wake up. We're naked. And we're humping sexy. Come on, girl. Baby, who wants to love me sexy? Baby, are you ready to lick me sexy? Oh yeah, Flint Tropics crowd, get it going. It feels good, doesn't it? I see some ladies up there. This is a sports comedy. Directed by Kent Alterman, producer yeah. on A History of Violence, After Sunset, and Mr. Woodcock. I just thought this was funny just because, like, looking at the posters for these movies, which I haven't seen any of them, um, like, the History of Violence and After Sunset look like dark, gritty dramas. And then Mr. Woodcock is like a raunchy, like, high school comedy about some guy who's trying to keep some other guy from having sex with some other guy. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's just funny that, like, he's like, I either do dark, gritty dramas or, like, really raunchy comedies. Like, <laughs> those are my two specialties. <laughs> and, yeah, here's, here's his, uh, the latter of the two that we're talking about right now. The cast includes Phil Werrell, Woody Boyd, uh, Andre 3000, Bojack Horseman. Forrest McNeil, one bear, Conan's sidekick, and a surprising list of prominent funny people. Seriously, that was something, I, I mean, I knew this movie had some big names in it, but as the movie went on, you're like, oh, okay, there's Jason Sudeikis, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> there's Kristen Wiig. <laughs> for, yeah, for 30 seconds, and then- He shows up were... later. Jason Sudeikis does? Yeah, he's one of the reporters. Uh, isn't, I thought it was Ed Helms. Oh, maybe you're right. I always get those two confused. But there's, yeah, I mean, that's just another big name, you know, that showing up again. No, Jason Sudeikis was the Nacho fan. Yeah, that's yeah, what he's right, credited as. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I watched Semi Pro. Is it Semi Pro or Semi Pro? Semi Pro. Semi Pro. That's how I say it. Uh, so I watched Semi Pro on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on YouTube. Well, this one wasn't on Amazon? It, wa- it was, but I, I just got a Chromecast. And so now I'm watching stuff on YouTube because I don't. See, I have this thing, I think I've explained this before, where on my, uh, on my phone and on my computer, that limits how much YouTube I can watch a day. It right. limits itself to an hour on each device. But the Chromecast lets me get around that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I watched really- it also on a Chromecast because then I can type notes on my laptop while it's playing on the big screen. Uh, Joey, why don't you give us the synopsis for Semi-Pro? When a man's lifelong dream becomes threatened, he gives everything he's got to have one last night of glory. Yes, sir. That is semi-pro. Let's get right into it. Let's get started with the pros. Joey, what did you like about semi-pro? I thought this movie was actually really funny to, to the point where, uh, like, I would say 95% of the jokes in this movie still hold up today. You know, you watch something like Dodgeball, which we did. A lot of the jokes are, like, really kind of on the edge of whether they're being okay or not. Like, you can appreciate it for being something of its time. But this movie, like a lot of the jokes, although they are silly and kind of stupid, don't like are not offensive in a way that's like that cuts super deep. So uh, I don't know. I thought I, I appreciated it for that. 
I thought, thought that Will Ferrell was excellent. Um, the supporting cast adds a lot of humor and a lot of heart. Uh, there's some really, really great bits that feel earned and not out of place. The, the whole setting of like a low cost um, uh, basketball stadium with like people uh, from a, a, like a bad town like Flint, Michigan, um, who come here for some cheap entertainment. Like that lends itself to a lot of comedy. And I think they capitalize on that well. Reality and logic are, don't play at all in this movie. And I think they, the tone reflects that well. So um, I think it was just a consistent, funny movie. What about you? Well, my number one uh, pro is it contains basketball. I'm really into basketball right now, so it was nice to see that on the big screen, you know, with some funny people running around playing some ball. Wow. Uh, lots of star power, like we said before. There's a lot of big names in this, especially Andre 3000, dude. I, uh, I, I basically di- didn't even know he was an actor. I, I've only see, like experienced him through his music. Um, I didn't even know his name was Andre Benjamin. I didn't know that my, either. My I was just name. like, oh, who's this guy who's, you know, the main guy and like, you know, what is his main supporting guy, I guess. I didn't realize it was team. him at first, but there was a certain moment when I was like, wait a minute. And, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, but yeah, lots of star power. I thought it was funny at times. There were definitely times in this movie where I, it, was, it was definitely a gut buster. Um, I liked that it was short. Um, and easy to watch. Like, honestly, uh, this movie kind of flew by for me, uh, which I thought is good. Uh, comedies usually tend to be on the shorter side. Uh, and I also loved the, like, the funky aesthetic throughout the movie. Like, <laughs> get the funk out of my face. Get the funk out of my face. Like, <laughs> get the funk out of my face. 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 You don't like my music, you it's like a celebration of 70s music but also making like satirizing oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 70s music which i well, thought was like, it really is well. like, you forget it's a period piece set in the 70s and that's the, right the hair and the and the fashion all reflect that so I love that. Uh, so, okay, let's go to the cons, and I'll, I'll go first on the cons. There's definitely some humor, and, and this probably is like a more of a personal thing to me, but there's definitely some like lowbrow humor that I just felt like I had to tolerate. Um, it's not on the level of like a um, idiocracy where they really just, you're just groaning every five seconds, but um, there's just some of the stuff I didn't think was that funny. Uh, and also the story felt mostly unimportant. Like after I got done, I was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. Like there's so many things I was like, did that ever come back into play? Did that ever matter? And it, if it, it felt like this movie, well, we'll get into it, but it, I just felt like the story wasn't all that important. No, it, like the writing, like the jokes, the funny bits are funny. And at least in my opinion, but there's not a lot of setup on payoff that, that feel like good. You know, it's, it's, the most that they have is like the whole bear thing where the bear keeps coming back and attacking people randomly, uh, which like was probably one of the weaker jokes in this whole movie. And also like, is this movie a, uh, like a parody or is it like a celebration of sports movies? I'm not entirely sure, like certain on it. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to critique a movie where nothing is really taken seriously. Um, I didn't, feel like the happy ending at the end with like everyone kind of getting like whatever they wanted throughout the movie that didn't feel very earned um and like the whole love story between Woody Harrelson and the girl Lynn um is is probably one of the weaker like of a weak script probably the weakest bit of that so 
yeah, there were some problems too. Um, okay, let's, that's our pros and cons. Let's move on to our overall section. Joey, take it away. I think this movie is legitimately funny. I feel like Will Ferrell does such a good job in a role like this where he's both a caricature of a real owner, player, coach, and the ego that comes along with that, while at the same time kind of running a successful business and he's like taking risks and has a real passion for what he does. And because, because of that, like you actually kind of like him despite himself, right? It's never really addressed whether Jackie Moon is actually a good player. They, they, they determine he isn't a good coach. And he is, seems to be a decent owner at, at, at best, um, but the team really does love him and respect him. And so does the whole town of Flint. They're always showing up for the games and stuff. Um, he's arrogant and over the top, but he isn't delusional or even really that stupid. Um, and that makes him fun to laugh at, but he's also human enough that you want him to succeed. He definitely toes the line because yes. as soon as this movie began and I realized, because again, I was like, oh boy, time for some basketball, basketball <laughs> movie. Here we go. You chose a bad movie if you wanted to talk about basketball. Well, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to laugh also, uh, but he, he's, uh, comes out and he's this wild guy, which of course it's Will Ferrell, but I mean, I'll get into it a little bit later, but it was so um, frustrating to yeah. see this guy do things I definitely would not do if I was in his position. <laughs> um, but you're right. It, he, he toes the line between being like kind of annoying and also really endearing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I, I, he like really pulls it off because like everyone like think about the whole boardroom meeting where he's meeting with the other owners and everyone else is in like, it's like a white old guy in a suit and he's up there in like the most flashy thing you could possibly imagine. He's going around kicking stuff and shoving the desk and exclaiming that he's the greatest person that's ever lived. And they're all just sitting there just like, okay, like, I guess this is how he is. Like, it's just so it, like he fits into this world so great because he's like kind of in and out of like reality. Um, and the, like, even though there are other people in the movie that aren't necessarily always straight, you know, he interacts with them in like a really, uh, like a really authentic way, which I think is, I think is, is, uh, pretty funny. Um, I think like the weakest part of this movie is definitely the love story. Woody Harrelson's arc should have just stayed on the back basketball court. He has this whole love affair with Lynn, which doesn't really serve much purpose besides a few gags with her sports obsessed husband. And it feels totally out of place and kind of weird. Um, and Lynn doesn't do anything to drive the plot forward. Um, like she does even less than other female leads in like bad raunchy comedies. You know, she's like really off to the side and not I, important. I definitely don't consider her a female lead. Like she was very as much of she's a, the like, most prominent female character in this movie, though. Right, but as far as characters go, she definitely wasn't one of the lead roles. No, know? definitely not. Uh, it, it was. I agree. It was like a moral gray area to begin with, you know, so it was hard to root for the love story uh, from the beginning. It's not but... a moral gray area. It's totally a moral black area. Like, <laughs> there was nothing. Well, well, well. I mean, yes, obviously, uh, Woody Harrelson was trying to get her to cheat, and she was, you know, uh, trying to do that. Definitely but about it. they all, I think everyone realized what was going on when Kyle walked in, and uh, Kyle is definitely fine with it. Yeah, but that's a th that doesn't make it right. <laughs> It doesn't make their intentions right, but did the ends justify the means? No, man. they don't. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not endorsing cheating here, but I think it was interesting. Let's talk about this now. What was okay. what was the message behind like Kyle? What was the Ky whole point of that? Was it Ky supposed to be I like, haha, Kyle is getting cucked right now? That's the joke because 
I guess I didn't feel like it was on the same wavelength as the other comedy in this film. Okay, uh, I'll explain it to you. And it's, it's no surprise that you don't understand this because it's a little too close to home. Kyle is the classic sports fan. He's every sports fan. He's someone who loves sports. He, he's so obsessed with uh, Monix and basketball and, and the tropics that he doesn't see Monix as a real person. He sees him as some sort of thing to be idolized and put on a pedestal to the point where when he cheats, when he sees Monix having sex with his wife, this is a monumental moment for him because he doesn't see this as cheating. He sees this as like, like the best, his like sexual fantasies <laughs> revealed, you know? Okay, okay. But I, I, I mean, be, being a cuck, I know it's like an online like slur, basically, or a pejorative. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm also of the understanding that it's a legitimate like kink. And some people actually get off on that, even when there's no sports athletes involved. <laughs> so, um, I, I okay, I see where you're coming from. You're definitely right. That's the point of it in this film. But I was wondering if they were trying to bring some like awareness to uh, you yeah, know, like, people cuck. who are into being cucked. I, I sincerely, <laughs> I sincerely doubt this movie has that much depth to it. That's what I was saying. I was like, wow, they're because I expected it to be like a whole thing and them to be like, ew, you're gross, you're gross, like at Kyle. But it was the movie was kind of like, mm, you know, this is happening. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, guess, um, I mean, I guess you're right. There is a little bit of acceptance to it, but it's, I mean, it's just to, it, it feels to me that uh, the whole point of it is to make Kyle look stupid. And it's because Kyle loves sports. Okay, and I get that, because he was already looking like an idiot before that when he would do anything Monix said when he was obviously trying to get alone with his wife. So exactly. uh, it, it does make a lot of sense. Chris D'Elia actually has a really good bit where he talks about how if you wear a jersey with another man's name on the back, that man is allowed to have sex with you. Like, he's, that's you, <laughs> that's what you're, uh, you know, agreeing to when you that's put that jersey on. That's a great on. rule, and I don't think that many people would be opposed to it. <laughs> I would, I would definitely be opposed to it, but uh, <laughs> I see where he's coming from because he famously does not like sports or he thinks that they're silly. Um, so I think you would like that bit a lot, Joey. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, back to Woody Harrelson. So I feel like he was a really good addition to the conflict of this movie, but like they wasted a lot of time with him, um, like going off with Lynn. If he like, remember when he first walks in, and he introduced him, and he's like. You know, a lot of you guys probably got punched in the face by this guy or, or vice versa, whatever he says, right? Like, clearly Monix is this controversial figure, but it's, he wins them over pretty quickly. You know, there's not like a lot of going back and forth and having to jive the team with him, right? So, like, I wish there was more of that. And then, like, that all coming together into some sort of culmination at the end where, like, they never agree with Monix, but then it turned out he was right all along, or maybe Monix has to compromise on his, like, what his beliefs are to, for the betterment of the whole team, you know, like, something like that. But that doesn't really, it doesn't really happen as explicitly as I would have liked it. It leads to, like, a, a very simple story, um, and it removes this conflict, therefore the drama, um, in favor of more, say, uh, bear wrestling scenes. Right. Deemed to be more important. <laughs> yes, clearly. Uh, no, I, I, I agree completely. Like, throw out the love story and focus more on Monix as a, as a ball player. Because yeah. I, as, as far as this movie goes, I feel like it's really like three players' stories or three characters. It's the yeah. story of Jackie Moon, the story of uh, Ed Monix, and uh, the story of Coffee Black. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they have varying degrees of satisfaction that come at the resolutions of their stories. Uh, but 
I feel like we could have kept it at that and not included yeah. this, you know, shoehorned love story. Well, uh, well, like Coffee Black and Monix both kind of have actual arcs. Jackie, not so much. He ne- Jackie doesn't really necessarily learn anything at the end, by the end of the movie. But the other two, like, they actually do go through kind of a development and, and acceptance of, of a certain thing. And it does work out for them um, in the end, just like it works out for Jackie. So My impression of this movie, like... Uh, I love the premise. The, the opening is re- is really uh, memorable because it's this ridiculous uh, song, as you heard at the top of the episode. That's like, like let's fill up a bathtub with sweat. Like it's gross, <laughs> dude. Um, and that really surprised me. I didn't expect that. I, I hadn't heard that much about this movie. I'd heard about Jive Turkey. That was basically that was like the biggest reference I remember from this movie. But uh, don't remember. Uh, love me sexy but so that that was great but then it's just <laughs> so far removed so i should have been more ready for this but it's so far removed from what actual basketball is having him <laughs> like they, just without even really um missing a beat like he goes from introducing one of the cheerleaders to introducing the ball players like yeah. back to back which like, I, I was so confused by that too it's like, like what's happening they're like equally valued as like <laughs> right, members right. of the organization well, first too yeah and he's like so honest like she wants to be an astronaut i don't think she can do it um so the way that he runs his organization is like complete chaos which made me really uncomfortable uh it took some like when i rewatched uh that part of the movie it made so much more sense because at that point i knew who jackie moon was i think i came Mm. in kind of with like an expectation of what this movie was going to be and it wasn't that but when i came back and saw it again like they were showing highlights of different ways he's promoted the team, like fr- a free gerbil night. And it was like a picture of him obviously holding, it's like a dead gerbil over yeah. two kids who are like screaming, but he's smiling at the camera like this is a great promotion. So I I, I, I ended up warming up to the okay. way Jackie Moon runs his stuff. Um, and that's the thing. This is It's a comedy. Is, is it funny? Um, and so I, I just picked out a few things that just I remembered right after the movie that I wanted to talk about. It was like that I enjoyed and things that I didn't enjoy. Earlier you said that, uh, we'll start with the ones I didn't enjoy so that we can end on a positive note. Sure. Uh, you, you said earlier that most of the jokes in this movie have aged well, and I agree. Uh, I don't feel, even though they do plenty of offensive stuff, I don't think that it is anything that's aged poorly it's like the same level of offensive today as it was then maybe even less offensive now but the uh joking about one of the players disabled brothers like how retarded he is it's like well remember like retarded used to be the word you could use like and now it's not so like yes but i don't think the joke would be funny either if they were like his brother is very mentally disabled you know it's like that's true that's not i just that one for me fell out of place among the rest of these jokes um also i like the the fighting breaking out i thought it was a funny idea it's a concept that they would fight so much in this league because it's like a dirtier version of the nba (laughs) and like when they cut to commercials the brawl breaks out but the fighting itself i thought was like lacking like they Mm. might as well have had like a dust cloud with like hands coming out and stuff because i I don't know it it just felt like it was like so fake like it wasn't even on the level of uh anchorman but oh, I guess Anchorman's yeah. a lot more violent, you know, because they right. needed the players to still be alive after the fight. <laughs> but for me... But what about Monix punching the guy in, like, the kidney, you know? He's, like, he has him, like, from the back, and he's, like, jabbing him in the back. Oh, I was laughing really hard at that. I thought really? that was hysterical. Okay, well, just for me, I, I just... It, it just went on a little bit long for me. Um, also, the jive turkey scene, um, which... Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe this one for me is just too much. I heard too much about it before seeing it. And uh, it, I was just a little bit yeah. disappointed that it was just basically, I don't know, like it, it felt like a uh, racial slur joke taken like in the opposite hmm. direction. Like it's like something you can't call a white guy, I guess. Or maybe it's not even that. It's just it's something you can't call anybody, but it's like on level with like unusable words, you know? Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand like what the reference to jive turkey was, like if that was something that I was supposed to understand. What? Well, I feel like it was just a stand-in for, you yeah, know, various yeah, yeah. words that we have in the lexicon right, that right, right. are I, totally off limits. Yeah, I understood that part, but I didn't understand if like jive turkey specifically meant something, like those two words. But no, I, like I understand how the hype could ruin that because for me, like I had totally forgotten that that scene was in here and it was I mean, it's totally outside of the rest of the movie in a way because like like some of those characters in that in that scene don't even come back you know like they're they're never even in the rest of the movie but i thought it was so funny especially when he pulls out the gun because like that's the rule like that's the that's the rule with mo- with movies right it's like uh what's it called Chekhov's gun uh where uh you, you pull out you, like if a gun is shown on screen then someone is going to be shot with that gun um and so he pulls out the gun right and they're all like pretending that it's it's not loaded and eventually well, <laughs> it does go off it's just like every time they were like pointing at each other i was like oh my god i was just like <laughs> okay i knew nothing was gonna happen but i also was like i was so stressed out by it well yeah and, and i do love that bit i don't want to lump that in with the jive turkey bit which i guess jive turkey sets that joke up yeah um, but I do want to count those as different bits because that one is freaking hilarious because even though you kind of know what's happening because they shoot, they do five fake shots and the sixth one is the one that actually has the bullet, <laughs> which is great. Like it, it, that, at least they stayed in reality for that, but yeah. like, they like pointed at their heads and, and like, ah, uh, it was, oh my gosh. It was yeah, le- that was so good. It was legitimately, uh, like cringe inducing. You're like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who's actually going to get shot? And then, uh, and I love the way that that, uh, bit ends too, because, uh, I don't, I can't remember exactly what else I've seen him on. I definitely saw him on something that was on, uh, um, MTV, but Tim Meadows is, uh, Cornelius Banks and, I only he's not really in much more of the movie but i loved the way that that bit ends because he i don't know i just love something about his facial expression he's like whoa i did get shot like he's like so happy about it like it's just another part of the gag too i don't know i thought it was well delivered but hold on i don't want to get into the good bits yet i want to keep talking about the ones i didn't like um and one of them was like the threatening to kill father pat's family you didn't like that bit uh, no, I love okay, that bit. Again, I, I'm too goal oriented. <laughs> that might be when it my comes favorite to... thing in this whole movie. Um, I'm too goal oriented when it comes to these sports movies because right, right before that, they're talking about how desperately they have to win if they even want to have a chance at the right, NBA. Right, right. And immediately they do this, and we'll play the clip here. Okay, clear. Right, clear. My turn. Yeah, I'll bet my alleged son he won't make this. Janky Moon finally making a move, and it is worth the uh, wait. All day long. Woo! Traveling. No, 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 no! One and a half steps! Come on, Jack, you walk. Suck my cock! I'll murder your family! You're gone, what? Jackie Moon! And Jackie Moon is ejected from the game. What did I say? You said that's my seat. And one lucky fan will go home with a game ball. That's your head. Let me explain to you why this is funny, okay? Okay. okay. I'm gonna explain the joke, and that way we'll make it funny this time. Good, that, that's <laughs> that's always how that always works, yeah. <laughs> The joke to me is that, first of all, Father Pat is this foul-mouthed preacher. The very first thing you hear him say is, fuck you, Jackie. 
when Jackie first when he first says hello to him because he because he knows because Father Pat knows better and knows that Jackie is going to do something to him or make his life more miserable. Jackie travels, uh, disobeys the rules of the game. Father Pat rightfully calls him on it, and Jackie's response is, "Suck my cock! I'll murder your family!" And Father Pat does the professional thing and ejects him from the game. But the reaction from the rest of the players <laughs> is that Father Pat went over the line. <laughs> like, saying, saying those things to a preacher, like, way over, like, no, not acceptable. But when, apparently when Jackie Moon does it, the favorite son of Flint, Michigan, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you can't, there's nothing you can, there's nothing he can say that will ever do that, like, not justice. I think that's hysterical. Especially since Father Pat doesn't understand why everyone else is upset with him. He's like, you threatened to kill my family. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little over the top. Um, it is over the top. It's just so funny. Comedy is subjective. <laughs> it just comes like, out of nowhere. Um, and he's directed, the person is directed to, and the reaction from the rest of the people. No, I think it's, I think it's great. It's, it's a good one. And I look forward to it every time it comes up. The, uh, the punting the ball into the crowd and having the crowd is like, and one lucky fan will go home with the ball. That actually might be true in the ABA, but I know for a fact in the NBA, that's not the case. You have to bring the ball back. We've actually talked only one ball. Yeah. We've talked about this on, on the podcast before and they have to give the ball back because they have to keep using it to play. Um, that's dumb. <laughs> it's consistency, you know. the The same ball that went in in the first quarter is going in in the fourth quarter. Spalding should Spalding should like lobby against that. Well, then you you might have a, a Tom Brady situation on your hands where there people tamper with the balls, and obviously everyone knows that the different pr- air pressure inside the ball is the only thing that determines the winner. Um, so, little sports meme for you. All right, one last joke. I think you might agree with me on this one that it, I could have done without it. it. Was the whole bear scene, dude? <laughs> Throw it out. <laughs> No thanks. I liked Kristen Wiig. I wish there was. I wish there was a little bit more of her when she started hitting on Jackie. You know, she's like, "Hey, you know, uh, we're both wearing red," and, and and he's like about to face the bear. Like he finally worked up the courage to face the bear, and she's like trying to distract him. Oh, I've been working with him for like a day. Yeah, and yeah. but she's been working with cats for twelve years. I thought That's that was funny. Insane. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I um like. My only complaint, I, I thought the whole wrestling the bear thing was done pretty well, especially because since like Jackie was rightfully terrified of the whole situation and they wouldn't let him out of the cage, even though he like definitely wanted to be out. And he started like hitting the bear and the bear, of course, wrecks him. My only complaint with the whole bear thing is that they don't, they don't use the bear successfully like later in the movie. You know, they, the bear keeps showing up and attacking people, uh, which is like, it, it's just shock. Like it's, it's, there's nothing funny about that. If there had been, this is an excellent opportunity for setup and payoff, right? The bear is loose in the stadium. No one's caught the bear. No one knows where the bear is. The bear comes in and scores a basket for the tropics right at the end. Like, you know, <laughs> something ridiculous bear related happens at the very end. Like that, that could have elevated this movie to an, another level, but no, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't pay off enough with the bear gag. So that, that's my biggest point. Oh, I felt, well, I felt like they just didn't commit wholly to the bear situation. If the bear mm. is this 
worth being afraid of, make it that. Like, right. have Jackie lose an arm. Like, how yeah. funny would that be if, like, the last portion of the movie, Jackie only has one arm because he wrestled a bear like an idiot. Like, <laughs> he, like, insists on still playing. Yeah, and it's fine. You don't have to be realistic beyond that, you know? But, like, yeah. the, like I saw the bear bite into him, and I was like, oh, no, he's actually going to... But it didn't even break skin. No. And, and so, for me, the rest of the bear attacks, it was just like, again, show me a, a dust cloud. It's a cartoon. Uh, which, right. yes, this movie is a cartoon. or It's, it's not realistic. That's fine, or whatever. It's just... I felt like the, the whole thing, they're like, oh, having him wrestle a bear, that's the joke. Um, and they could have taken it further. But sure. obviously, comedy, very subjective. And I feel like I'm on thin ice being like, okay, <laughs> this is not funny. That's not funny. So let me tell you what I thought was funny, okay. uh, which is something I think I can, I'm more of an authority on because uh, I like to enjoy things. And I just want to shout out to our man, uh, Dick Pepperfield. Uh, who's he played by? What's the name of that actor? Andrew Daly. Andrew Daly and he I love his mannerisms the way he goes about playing this like mild-mannered sports reporter in this wacky ridiculous sports organization is so funny like he's not I wouldn't call him necessarily a straight man uh, but he is like the sober response to all the wacky he's very deadpan like it isn't it isn't yeah you're right he's not totally straight because he definitely has his funny moments and that are like like too sincere i guess you could say well like yeah exactly like when will ferrell or uh jackie moon is like oh yeah your wife how's she doing he's like oh she's doing great he's like oh yeah she's beautiful wife yeah um you know i, I no no guarantees that i want like i go for her and he's like oh i, I would really like a guarantee like <laughs> Like stuff like that was just it's pulled off so well by him and it's it's everything about his like the way he presents himself and the way he delivers it with his voice is for me just had me laughing the whole movie so big ups for uh, Dick Pepperfield and also the way he bounces off BoJack Horseman I thought they were a good pairing (laughs) I love Will Arnett he's amazing and his voice actually because his voice is so distinct when i was re-watching the beginning of the movie seeing how they were introduced you can just when he's off screen it's just bojack talking yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, because he has the same sort of uh uh i don't know responses to things like he's always drinking and smoking yes where they're like can you put that cigarette out he's like oh no no no. i like to smoke when i drink (laughs) (laughs) um okay we already talked about the russian roulette during the poker scene but i i really did enjoy that um i I thought that one of, one, of, one of my favorite running gags was Dukes trying to get his money throughout the movie. As he does the moonshot at the beginning of the movie where they're supposed to get... What was the sponsor? It was... Uh, Some beer company. It was Bush something. Oh, my gosh. Bushman Beer? It must have been Bushman Beer. No, it was Bush Bavarian. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Well, anyways, that whole thing of him, like, he started off just getting the giant check and, and Jackie trying to convince him that that was the prize. And then, uh, you know, throughout the movie, he comes back still looking for his money. And then you have the satisfying, like, post credit scene or just, like, right at the end of the movie scene uh, where he finally does get his money or at least some Well, at least part of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, I like that, that gag. I like the whole, like, um, stoners are more competent than you realize gag that you, that you see that's kind of a cliche you see sometimes in movies where it's like you think this guy doesn't know what's going on you think he has like he has no spatial awareness and anything and it turns out he does something amazing and this is the, the perfect example of that where like he literally falls asleep he wakes him up he tosses the ball it's a perfect shot in and he's just like super excited <laughs> they ask well, him, yeah, like, he's never missed a game 
Yeah, and they, and they ask him what he's doing. Like, what do you do for work, Dukes? And he's like, uh, nothing right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that. I've seen that actor in other things, too. He was in that that show Human Target. He was really good. And he also plays Rorschach in the Watchmen movie, too. What? He's, oh, my he's gosh. Really um, also, speaking of Bush Bavarian, I think it's important that we notify the audience that we are, in fact, having a couple of brews right now. What kind of brew are you are you uh, brewing? Um, none other than Bush Bavarian, dude. The finest. I'm not <laughs> giving a free ad just because uh, I'm drinking beer. I actually don't <laughs> even like this beer that I'm drinking, so. You're, so you're also drinking Bavarian. Mm. You, if you're going to drink beer, make it a Bavarian. I think that's what he says. I don't remember. Well, I just said I didn't like it, so. <laughs> um... Also, the puke play. I thought that that was one of the better setup and payoffs in this movie. And maybe you can make a case for some of the other things that don't pay off as like diversions or red herrings, you know? Because it's like, oh, not everything's going to come back. Like, remember when they all played basketball till they threw up? That obviously wasn't a thing. That was just a rant. Mm. That's a one-off. And then it comes back playing a huge uh, like role at the end of the movie, which I thought was good. Uh, that That was like... That would actually work for a serious sports movie, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that setup and payoff. I think, well, I think that's exactly what it's invoking, actually, is like the play, you know, that they set up earlier. So I, I don't know. It's like, it's good like screenwriting to have setups and payoffs, but it really, it was pretty forced for me. Like, it was not. The, the puke play? Like, to have it come back like that is, like, it's very much, like, we're doing this because we're making fun of sports movies, more so than it was, like, oh, I set this up well. Well, I guess it just... I would, it at was, that point in the movie, I wasn't convinced that this guy knew what he was doing when he wrote this movie, so that, that's why I'm saying that. Okay, fair enough, but I, I guess among many things that never came back, I'm glad I got one that did come back. And also, I, I'm definitely starting to see my like real life sports like influence like leaking into my expectations for this movie because i'm like all right you guys practice this play to the point where you could do it without using your brains use that you know at at the most (laughs) pinnacle moment like that's that's actually good coaching so um also speaking of basketball actually being played jackie having to play defense against his own guys to def- to prevent corn dog night that was a great bit like there's so yes, many was. there's so many bits in this where jackie's like so concerned with how much it's going to cost him but it, you never see any sort of like um like him going bankrupt or, or any of those things actually affecting him uh, but i thought this one was pretty funny the way he like plays really well against his own players and still can't stop them <laughs> Uh, yeah that was so good oh uh, man and uh yeah, I like that. and then finally another one that i i liked was the way clarence kept changing his name and everyone just called him whatever his new nickname was <laughs> <laughs> to the point where like there's a serious moment between him and woody harrelson where they're in the bar and he's trying to figure out like maddox why did you come back why did you keep playing and maddox like tries to deflect and he's like man look at you coffee black playing in the nba <laughs> Yeah. But what that- about the uh what about the other coach, you know? Like for the other team that he that he, get, he goes to. He's like, "You come back right here, Coffee Black or whatever he calls him." <laughs> I love that. And uh it's it's a pretty I I drink my coffee black, so um totally relatable. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, basically this this movie for me um it felt like a lot of like funny randomness. Uh, that eventually culminated in a pretty epic finish. As far as like the end, actually, because you talked about earlier, you said that the 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 endings were kind of unearned, and and I kind of want to hone in on that because uh, they did have some 
arcs that kind of like came to completion. Like they, yes. they gave us like the reason to, that this is the big game was because it was going to be for fourth place, even though it didn't matter anymore. That was their original goal. And it's funny to hear people be like fourth place, fourth place. Like yes, yes. fourth place famously means winning nothing. So it's not even third place, right? Like it's, it's the first thing that you don't even get a medal for if it's like the Olympics. But also, um, they call it the 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 Mega Bowl, <laughs> and they yeah. and they just it's say the Mega Bowl. They just say it's the most important basketball game ever played, which I think is great. Uh, like spoofing real sports, where you're like, because it is kind of funny, like the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, it's the Super Bowl. You know, this is the most important one. If you win this one, you're like immortalized. So they're like, okay, we're just gonna say that this one is the most important one, and if we win it, then we're the greatest ever. So I thought that was pretty. Uh, was like, well, what about all the other bowl games that like literally don't matter? Like the Super Bowl is like the end, the last game in like the tournament, right? Like yes. You, you play a game, you play games up to the end, and then the best team wins. But what about all the other games, like? All the like the college bowls, like the Rose Bowl. You mean like, like the, the Ace Alpac Bowl, the Ace Hardware Spare Parts Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> or the Tostitos exactly. Fiesta the Toilet bowl? bowl? Yeah, the uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the Taco Bell Nacho Grande Bowl, <laughs> the uh, the the StubHub Processing Fees Bowl. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, and and again, if you look at closely at any sport, those bulls all have justifications behind them. There's like ways you qualify for them, and it, it, it's whatever. But I like how this just kind of makes fun of the entirety of sports and being just like, look, you just decided that this game is more important than the others because of sports. Like it's uh, right. and it's and it's kind of poking fun at that, which I thought was yeah, funny. yeah, I'm taking advantage of that in a way. So yeah, I, I also like that. But it, but you see, um, you know. Uh, Monix complete his arc. Uh, well, first off, you you just I guess you close the book on Jackie because you finally meet his mother and um, and through that like I don't know he kind of had a problem with his like unearned fame so sure. it kind of completes his arc when she's like I fear gave you for that or whatever and uh, and she teaches him the alley oop which what did you think of that as like a plot device to help them get back into the game the alley oop? Okay, so I'm of two minds here like. Like having divine intervention in this in like the sports movie is pretty funny. Like having him her come down from heaven to bestow upon him this magical way of winning the game is is good. Um, also, the the reaction to the alley oop where nobody like understands what they just saw <laughs> is priceless. That's like that's one of the most iconic points of this movie. The ref uh, just calls a foul. He's like, no, two yeah, fouls. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't go flying through the air, Jackie. And I, yeah. I love the way that the cinematography changes for that because throughout this movie, they like I was kind of disappointed that they did yeah. a lot. It was it was more about the drama that was happening on the court than the actual basketball being played, right? Like the, like it's not very cool from a sports perspective to see no. Will Ferrell and one of his teammates toss the ball back and forth, like, all right, give it to me. Right back, right back. Okay, I'm ready. Right back. Not feeling it. You know, like um, yeah, yeah. but it's funny, don't get me wrong. But as far as like seeing cool basketball happen, it didn't happen much until this point. Then it's in slow motion. The camera's very wide angle. You can see everything and and it's you know, very high definition and, and I really enjoyed that. I felt like they saved that kind of perspective for the game to to boost the uh the impact of seeing an alley-oop happen so that you as the viewer can almost feel what the people in the stadium feel as like this like oh my gosh this is insane yeah i i thought the execution of the reaction to the alley-oop was what was good but for me like thinking about this later i felt like this was another opportunity a missed opportunity for a setup and payoff 
you know, having Coffee Black invent the alley oop early on, but like practicing this crazy move and and like not understanding like how to actually make it happen. He had like this idea and, and but nobody else kind of understood what he was talking about. And then once the team, because the thing about the alley oop that makes it interesting is it requires a lot of teamwork and a lot of communication between team members. So having that like seeing them fail at the alley oop early on in the in the movie and then seeing them come together in this like epic fashion where they can pull off this amazing play because they're so much more cohesive as a team is a way better plot device than having a divine intervention you know uh angel mom come down and and, and tell jackie moon how to do it sure you know sure so i, I could see that but I was happy they had something like that. They needed it, right? Instead of them just like yeah. being good enough just because, you know, they they feel like it. It was nice to have something to be like, okay, this is why. But then it doesn't work all the way, right? And that's when you right. get the the puke play comes back and which leads to free throws, um, which were actually pretty intense. Like the, the you're like, oh man, is Jackie going to make these free throws? Like these are high pressure free throws. Like every baller has been in that situation when they're like, must, you cannot miss these free throws. And free throws aren't, they're, they're obviously, they're called free throws it's called the charity stripe because they're some of the easiest shots to make but it's still you know it gets in your head that's part of the game and easy to choke yes and <laughs> he uh takes the granny shots which that's great yeah. that's freaking hilarious yeah, and monix is like what are you doing like, what, have you never seen me do a free throw before i've heard that uh of like somebody who used to do that and had a really high field goal or a uh, free throw percentage because like it they just had it down you know they could granny shot it all day sure. so at the end of the day as long as it goes in that's not true <laughs> i mean you should probably just do it the normal way because that's not hard either but it's uh <laughs> i i thought it was a funny inclusion in a movie about basketball uh to make fun of that but also the way that it ends is pretty epic because um monix i mean for his character arc to be completed he needed to well partially i guess I, it doesn't really solve the love situation but for him to like finally be an accomplished player a player who actually achieved something who who won a championship that he actually participated in and earned uh he needed to make that game-winning big shot and he got the putback on the missed free throw to win the game which uh was pretty cool i thought that was a good way to close the book something i didn't expect uh maybe other people did but i, I for me i was like whoa all right you know and then okay and then this is what i was trying to get to though is uh, I think this is just making fun of a criticism of sports movies because immediately after they win the game, everyone gets what they want instantly. Yep. Everyone. Yes. Like it, it feels so unsatisfying for coffee black to get offered. It's like, Oh, you can still play on the team. Anyways, like walking away earlier means nothing. You know, yeah. it's stuff like that. It's just, it, it, it's go it, like the levels of absurdity grow, right? Cause Monix gets the girl coffee black gets to join um, the, the Spurs then Jackie gets to be in the NBA like as some sort of like member of the board or something. And then the bear eats the commissioner. And that's the, how the movie ends. It's like like slightly absurd, slightly more absurd, really absurd. And then the movie ends, you know? So I felt like it, it kind of worked. Like they, I don't think that they wanted you to think that any of those, those things were deserved or earned. Right, but that's the thing that like I, like I don't understand about this movie is like, is this movie making fun of sports movies or is it indulging in the language of sports movies? I think it is actually a, a very effective parody in that. And, but, uh, and I, the reason why it becomes a parody and not something like uh, something that cuts deeper, like a satire is because of this, these last scenes that you've just described, 
where it's everything in those last moments of the of the movie are classic sports movie you know like oh the play that they practiced earlier comes back oh they learned and they have this new like technique this risky technique that they've never tried before that's gonna help save them oh like you know jackie uh, or harmonics has to uh you know put the ball back jackie has to make some crucial points you know from the free throws and everything but all of that like so, like the the free throw thing is like played up for comedy too because like it's shot so cinematically yet it, like it's also from you know underneath him you can like see it like his thighs and it, yeah like, he can see like all the way up into his crotch it's like and he's kissing so, the ball <laughs> yeah it's like all all that is in slow motion but like they're engaging in the same language as like classic sports movies um so it it's it's like celebrating that while also making fun of it which is like a classic parody so okay i i, I don't know i I've got it gets it gets a little bit muddled right out there at the end because they're using that same exact language, but it's very, like it's very clear that at that point that this movie is celebrating sports movies, um, and and poking fun at them in, in like a, um, like oh we're laughing with you more so than laughing at them in a way. I don't know. Overall, this movie is it feels more segmented with individual hilarious scenes than like a complete cohesive story. Um, and despite its obvious ridicule of sports movies in general, it doesn't really have anything to say um, or any lessons to take away from it. And um, much like basketball itself, it's only surface deep. I agree with you that the <laughs> movie is only surface deep, but I totally disagree that basketball is only surface deep. Uh, I mean, do you have a more, do you have like a reason why you believe that? Oh, do you want me to tell you why basketball is a poorly designed game? Please. Let me pull up my notebook. All right, this is not the most well-thought-out theory, but I, I got some things, okay? Okay, well, because and the reason why I'm so interested to hear this theory is because I previously, like just two years ago, I didn't know anything about basketball. That was cool, I guess, but I didn't watch it or, or know all the rules, and now I freaking love it. So I would love to try to defend this new love that I have. Sure, I would, I, like, I've been waiting to have this conversation with you for a long time. <laughs> they, like my, I want to clarify that like my problem is not with sports in general; it's with specific sports, and not that there's like the hype around it and everything. I understand why people get excited about sports. There have been sports that I've been excited about myself, but like basketball and football, like these very monumental pieces of like culture, like I I can't stand watching them, and the reasons for me are like are laid out pretty simply to me. First of all, timeouts. Timeouts ruin basketball, right? The last five minutes of a basketball game last forever because they're always pausing the game to do something. I've asked people why they do this, and I can't really get an answer that I'm satisfied with. Like, it's supposed to be like you're interrupting the flow of the other team um, or like you're strategizing on the fly. Um, but like, aren't you doing that throughout the game anyway? Like, aren't you strategizing throughout the game? The, the point is that like, I understand what the point of timeouts are, but they're used in a strategic way, which I think is smart, but it ruins the flow of the game. There's no, like, you, uh, you play, and then suddenly you're stopping, and you're waiting, and you're stopping, and you're waiting, and you're stopping, and you're waiting, and you're like, oh, like, uh, at that point, like, sometimes it's obvious, like, oh, the game's over at this point, they're just stalling for no reason. Sometimes it's like, oh, they have, like, they're separated by only a couple points. If they go out there and, and do their thing, like, this could go on for a little bit longer. Ah, doesn't matter. We'll just keep pausing it, pausing it, pausing it, pausing it, pausing it. And it's like, it ruins the whole, like, buildup of the game that you've just watched. You know, like, 
I don't know how to fix this necessarily, but it's it's bad game design to like make your most um, climatic portion so segmented. Okay, no, I think that's a valid criticism. It's as somebody who. Uh, I don't know, like, you, you get used to it, I guess. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> oh, that's just the way it is. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a red flag for me. Like, that's the way things are. Well, because anyway, well, next... your, your, um, your argument is that the, the game happening continuously, like the clock continuously running, that is inherently better than having these breaks. And some people would argue that those breaks are an important part of the game, and it wouldn't be as good without them. Well, you're not, they're not playing. Right, but it could be strategizing. It changes the way that the game. You're not. Played. You're not seeing the strategizing. You're. You're not. Right, as a privy fan, to the information. Not. But then you yes. see the results of the strategizing right after. It's the same reason why. Not right after. It takes thirty seconds, and a commercial break. Yes, after the. I mean, right after meaning once they've begun playing again. If they could do all Maybe that. Maybe they stuff should be instantly. better players so that they can strategize on the field. They do that as well. But when you have these, like you said, when it's close and things are important, they have to make the right decision. And that's what separates like the great coaches from the ones that aren't that great. Because those great coaches aren't even playing and they can impact the game in a way that gives their players a, a better chance to win. And yeah, I agree. As a fan, it sucks. Uh, and especially if you're not super invested, you just want the game to end. Yeah, it, it can be the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, but I, I got to defend basketball on this one because it is part of the game. Yeah, and it's maybe you could say, like, I prefer the way soccer works, where there it's two continuous halves, mo- mostly because you don't have to deal with the ads uh, to watch. Um, yes. But it's a different That's game. That's a big part of it. Like, you're not just... You're not just you're not sitting, like, unless you're in the stadium, which I can understand a little bit because, like, the, the feeling of the crowd and everything. But even then, I've been in stadiums where, like, you have to pause and wait for the game to be over. It's like, like, get on with it. Like, we want to know what happens. <laughs> we want to know what happens. Why are you doing this? You know? It's like, okay, it's like you're watching a movie, right? And they have some epic lightsaber slash gun battle at the very end. And they're stopping every 30 seconds to discuss what they're about to do. You know, like. Just shoot the guy. Like, you know, like we, Dude, should, we could have done this earlier. No, that's you know? an overly like, simplistic way to look at it. It Be- is not. Because what about when uh, the walls stopped um, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn from fighting? And there's this moment where you, you catch your breath and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. Yes. It's okay. And one. then right after that, there's like three minutes of epic lightsaber battles followed by Qui-Gon Jinn's death. And then Obi-Wan having to swing his way up out of this precarious situation, you know? Yes. Like I understand like the, the pausing for effect, but that's not what's happening in a basketball game. They're not pausing for effect. They're pausing to interrupt like the natural flow of the game, which is what I'm trying to enjoy. Plenty of games have ended with an inbound that's like two seconds where they're like, okay, this is it. The guys who have the ball have to inbound it and take a shot immediately. And you have yes. this whole buildup because they just took a timeout and everyone's waiting. It's like, all right, this is it. The whole game is on the line right here. And I think that that doesn't necessarily make it worse than if they had just, you know, gone cruising straight towards that last shot. But that's not something like that happens. But also, like three minutes before that, they were also pausing for the same reason. Like, it's ruined by that. If they were, you know, if they had one timeout, you know, and they could use it at the very end, right? Like, maybe I could forgive it. But it's just like, it makes too strategic sense for them to do this uh, that they obviously do it. Yeah. 
And that's you that's playing by the rules of the game in an effective way, which I like, but that just means that the game is designed in a poorly designed fashion. It's actually interesting how frequently they change the rules to basketball. Like it seems like basketball is pretty simple and there's not that many yeah. rules, but there actually are a lot of rules and they're constantly changing. Like I actually I've been playing 2K, the the official NBA basketball video game and yeah. part of the game is to like when you create a franchise or whatever is to like attend the meeting uh, for all the owners and to vote on rule changes to happen in your game for because huh. for it to be truly simulation there have to be rule changes because that's just going to happen in real life um, that's kind of cool so yeah maybe maybe you should attend that meeting and let them know there's too many timeouts I think it would be interesting if they had less timeouts football only has three timeouts and soccer has none <laughs> if you want yeah. you want a timeout you got to wait for someone to get injured. <laughs> Well, to speaking of like the origins of basketball in a way, did you know how basketball was invented? Some Canadian did it, right? Well, is it basically because they, uh, uh, here's the story as I understand it. There was a bunch of kids in, a, in high school um, and they had some sort of power outage or something where like they needed, like all the kids were in the school, they couldn't leave and they couldn't go outside. So they had to find some way of entertaining them. So this guy comes up with this game where he hangs baskets in the gym and then they have to shoot balls into the basket. Like, I, uh, I take fundamental, like, I feel like this is the, 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 the very nature of the problem in a way. It's like, oh, this guy came up with this idea in like an afternoon or in like 10 minutes. And this is the game that everyone celebrates as being so great and like an achievement of like, of uh, like physical prowess. You know, like, I understand that they've developed the rules and everything, but like, from the very start, it was very unbalanced. Like, because the, the guy came up with it in an afternoon, and it was never meant to be deeply studied like other games are. So it's just there's problems with the very origin of it, in my opinion. I disagree, uh, <laughs> but I fear that we're straying too far away from the the situation at hand, which is talking about this movie. Um, Maybe we can sit. Maybe we can do a little more research and then sit down and have a real discussion about the. Sport oh, you basketball. want to have more research? Because I'm ready to go. <laughs> I think that you're wrong, though. Like basketball is famous for being one of the most predictable sports because of uh, the number of iterations ha that happens. You basically know who's going to win from the beginning, and uh, which yeah, isn't that a problem? Well, it's just the game has been. Uh, it's like the most money ball kind of game where you can figure out which stats matter and which stats don't. And you can maximize your efficiency by doing those things. I don't know. I think the game has like a, a level of complexity that makes it fun to watch and play. Um, I mean, I think one of the flaws is that you almost have to be big. Um, like this is a, yes, this that's is, a flaw. There's a certain point where like your size does definitely become like if you're shorter than six foot, you're like, you're pretty much uh, dooming or you're doomed on the court. Uh, yes. but that doesn't mean that people who are bigger can't play the sport well. Like it's it's at least it works for those people. Sure, but it's also like it removes that element of strategy in a way, you know? It's like, oh, we have to select people that are bred to be this. Like there's no there's nothing like there's no alternative path, you know? There's no other way that's equally as good but like requires a certain level of skill in a certain area. Well, you could argue that being a skilled three-point shooter can work at any height. Um or, or even just a really skilled like distributor. Because there are some short guys who have done well in the NBA, like Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics. Um, I think I believe he's like five foot nine. Uh, so very short for the NBA. But 
he was still able to do it. He's, he's, you know, a unicorn. He's very rare. No, there's not a lot of guys who are able to do that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, and I guess that, that exact same criticism works for football as well, because, uh, gen- genetically I was not born to play football. There's no reason to put me on the, on the field when you could put someone who's taller and heavier than me. And there's, yeah. And there's no like amount of strate- like strategizing or like training in that area that's going to make you a ex- excel in that sport, which I feel like like limits the amount of uh, the amount of like variability and the amount of cool things you can see happen on the field. You know, no one's going to come up with a new way to play football. The best way has already been figured out. That, Same with basketball. Well, that's not true. There's stra- new true. strategies coming about all the time, and people try to figure out new, uh, you know, sizes or, or people who are more a more common body size that you can. You mean bigger? You can find to taller. That's you not find the taller guy. That, that's one of the things that's happening right now. Quest in to the find NBA. the tallest guy. The the, the the big man is famously missing from, um, you know, high scoring NBA offenses right now because three point shooting has become so prominent. Steph Curry is the by far the most prominent three point shooter in the NBA. And he's not that tall. I believe he's he's six or six foot one. Uh, and yeah, that's tall for normal people. But in the NBA, there are guys who are a full foot larger than him. But Steph Curry still puts a much larger impact on the game. And it's not because he's bigger than them or jumps higher than them or any of that. It's because he's a more skilled shooter. So uh, well, I think you... Well, well so you brought up three-point shots a couple of times. Like, you know, three-point shot was invented because of uh, the problems with dunking. Dunking was so like was so overpowered, and because the taller people always got those dunks, they had to invent the three-point shot in order to balance out the game somehow. Yeah, for like the and, first decade of the NBA, all the MVPs were centers. <laughs> right, and they were all trying to dunk. Like dunking was a thing, and and not just because it was a, almost a guaranteed points but because it was exciting for the the fans same and the three-point shot was meant to be a compromise to that like an alternate route but what this also causes is that almost every shot that's shot from like if you look at a heat map from where shots are taken um in uh on a basketball court they're almost always from the exact same spots there's like this ring around the basket where they're always taken and that like implies that the game always comes out to the same way there's never a new way to shoot a basket you always come from the same spots. You always stand at the same spots. The games are always the same. That's too simplistic. That's too simplistic. You're implying that the mid-range does not exist. And the mid-range is very much still alive. I know that it's less, statistically, it's less likely to happen because three points are more rewarding and shooting near the basket, the closer you get to the basket, the more, the higher the chances that it's going to go in. Yes, there's a whole area inside of, yeah, the mid-range that's hardly ever used. Just, there's just nothing there. You either shoot from the from as close to the basket as you can, or right on the three point line. That's the only places where baskets like matter. Again, it, you, you, when you use absolutes like only, I have to disagree because, for instance, the the Warriors on their three championship runs that they went on, they all had one player in common, Sean Livingston. I mean, they had other players in common, but also Sean Livingston. You may not have heard of him. He's not. Yeah the biggest flashiest player but he was able to retain a roster spot on the championship uh dynasty of the warriors because he is money from mid-range he shoots over 50 percent from the mid-range but that's all he does he's not big enough to be dominant at the at the hoop he can't shoot a three but he plays good defense and he's money from the mid-range so they're like okay sean let me send only take mid-range shots and guess what people don't defend against it as well mid-range so they he has carved himself out a niche that's allowed him to stay on one of the best teams in the league because he has mastered the art of the mid-range and 
it's still part of the game. There are little, I understand that, yeah, the guys who are at the top of the game, like the, the guys who are best at the, at the rim are the biggest and the strongest. And they have like, they're good just because they, they were born, right? And they had to master some skills, obviously, but they, no one else could be as good as them because they don't have their physical gifts. And then the guys who shoot from outside, they're good because they've mastered that shot. But there are other ways to still be good at basketball, and those things play themselves out. That's why we watch the sport, to see who's figured out some new thing, who's got stuff that's going on that is different this time, and maybe they can find a way to win it. So I, I appreciate, I, I understand your criticisms, and, um, but I feel like if you wanted to, which I don't think you do, but if you wanted nope. to, <laughs> and if you spent enough time with the sport, it's... Um, it's it has a little bit more depth. I guess this brings us back to the very beginning. It's more than surface level. I actually follow a bunch of like really talented uh, content creators on YouTube who are constantly explaining the sport of basketball. And the longer I spend in that world, the deeper and deeper it goes. So uh, I might have I might not have all the reasons for you. I might not have all the stats or the the numbers. But um, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree because I, I think basketball is pretty in depth. Okay. I think we should move on. We should, though. <laughs> I was earlier, I was like, wow, this actually might end up being one of our shorter episodes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 20 minute non sequitur. Um, all right. Let's, um, let's go ahead and do our quotable moments then. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for at six foot five, a solid, meaty 215 pounds. Your pregame announcer, your owner, your coach, your pop singing sensation. But most importantly, your power forward, yours truly, Jackie Moon! Jackie Moon always gives himself a fantastic introduction. Yeah, why not, Dick? It's his team, his money, and his tunnel of beautiful ball girls. Oh, well, speaking of money, Lou, did you get paid this week? No. So I, I like this introduction of Jackie. First, he introduces himself as being one of the greatest players of all time. And then uh, the announcers also give him a bit of a introduction as well, uh, proclaiming him as the owner, player, coach that is Jackie Moon. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think this is just a great setup for his character. Um, you know, it does a lot in this little tiny moment where it's like, oh, he's in charge of this whole operation. This is all his dream. And also, he's out of money and doesn't know what he's doing. It's, uh, yeah, it's a great introduction to who he is, especially the part where they don't get paid because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's always in money trouble, this Jackie Moon. Yes, but that, that never stops him. It never does. <laughs> All right, I got the next one. All right, let's not get too excited. Yes! Give me 10, Norton! Everyone can eat shit! A big bag of shit! <laughs> I'm the greatest man! In the world, Woo! This is when he finds out that the uh, the ABA is is merging with the NBA, um, and he takes full credit for this operation, even though he had nothing to do with it. Um, and he proclaims himself to be the greatest man in the world. I think this is another great example of Jackie Moon's own ego at play here. Huge, his huge yes. ego. This is the part where I was like, okay, I don't like this guy very much. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like throwing around the desk, and he's cheering and everything, and he like can't listen to anything else that's happening. Only thing he, he cares about is like that he saved his team. He's, he did it. Uh, everyone else doubted him, but he did it. It definitely shows you how important it is to him that, uh, that he has this basketball team and that it, it survives, you know? Exactly. All right, so um, I've got the next quote. Oh, holy balls. Oh, my God, look at this right here. Champion in sparkling gold. Man, why are you wearing that on your neck? 
If I had a ring like that, I'd have it on my finger every day so the honeys can see it. <laughs> I'm not quite as flashy as you. I just like wearing it around my neck, that's all. That's cool, man. Yeah. He should be embarrassed. Embarrassed? He sat through every playoff game. Then gonna walk around us with all the shine like he's some kind of hero or something. Oh, come on, Clarence, you're just acting jealous. Whatever. I ain't never rode the bench. Huh. And then go call myself a champion. Somebody need to snatch that ring off his sorry neck. So this is actually the point in the movie where I was like, wait a minute. That's Andre 3000. <laughs> the way that he says bench is so, you hear kind of the, uh, the vibrato in his throat, like in his voice. And, and that's, that's when I paused the movie and I was like, is this Andre 3000? And I looked it up and it was him. I was like, what is he doing in this movie? <laughs> like playing one of the bigger roles too. Um, I don't I uh, was totally unaware, but I thought he did great. You know, he's, uh, he, he definitely pulled his weight. And what a, what a awesome like I would love to play uh a, like the best player on a team in uh, if I was going to be in a basketball movie yeah easy easy sell but he brings up a really interesting point uh, who deserves credit for championships every year there's always somebody who is like you know and a veteran or or somebody who ends up winning a ring who doesn't really contribute all that much but you know they're still celebrated like for instance Jeremy Lin just became the first um like asian basketball player to win the nba finals and he rode the bench the whole time i'm not even sure if he got minutes in the finals but really? he was on the team and uh there's also a guy so the warriors were attempting to get a three-peat meaning like winning three years in a row they won three as i know a what dynasty. that means well i i'm just i want to clarify because <laughs> earlier i said that they've won three championships but they had a gap year oh, in between okay. where they lost to the Cavs. but they were going for three in a row here and they didn't get it but one of their players who played for them on the first two championships joined the toronto raptors who won the championship this year so he alone three-peated uh because he happened to ride the bench for two different championships interesting so i think when it comes down to and this is like a how i legitimately feel about it i think that every team has to have people on the bench if you if everyone's ego is so large that they can't sit and be there in case someone gets hurt or in case you know I don't know, some, some unforeseen circumstances forces one of the starters out and they need backup. Um, if everyone's ego is too large for that, then the, the, you can't actually play the sport, really. So I, I think that even though Monix didn't contribute at all in the playoffs, he was there for the regular season. I assume he played some then. And just his presence made it possible for the team to fill out its roster. And then he deserves at least a little bit of credit for that. So I think that Coffee Black is being a little bit harsh uh, in in saying that he's you know walking around all with all that shine when really he keeps it under his uh his shirt around his neck which i think is uh, you know fine okay i mean i overall agree with your assessment but you have to also agree that like some of the players contribute way more than the other ones you know and having them like having them get the same recognition as other players doesn't like doesn't seem fair however like, I feel like this conversation that we're having right now is kind of what needs to happen, right? Like, you need to ha- be able to say, oh, this person won this many, you know, championships, or whatever, but 
he didn't play in all of them. He only played in, in these, you know, he, or this person went to the championship, but he was on the bench the whole time. Like, I feel like that asterisk is warranted. Um, and anyone who does their research and finds out any more about this, you know, will, will know that that's actually true. And of course, like, you know, if you're, if you're talking to the person, if someone's bragging about like, oh, I won a championship, look, I have this championship ring. It's like, yeah, but like, did you play? It's kind of one of the first questions you might ask, you know, like maybe not quite that directly, but it, it, it comes up. The, the ring itself is, um, and, the, and the championship and, and all of that is symbolic. Right. And the people that um, care about those things are going to know the difference anyway. So that's true. I that's true. But I, I, I just feel like those guys don't get enough credit considering they do. It, it's this. I guess you could put it in the same thing as is like the team, like the athletics manager also deserves a ring. And I, I think they do get them. I think everybody involved, because I know that in football, like everyone gets a ring. So there's like janitors at Gillette Stadium who have like five Super Bowl rings because sure. because they are all considered part of the team. Uh, because again, Tom Brady can't throw touchdowns unless he's been properly manicured that morning. So uh, right. everybody in, involved, I think, deserves at least a little bit of credit. And I think even though it's pretty cut and dry that he didn't play in the playoffs, Monix at least deserves to have the ring around his neck i think that's a that's a solid middle ground place to uh rep that memorable year of his life at the very least it's like i got to witness an nba championship right up you know yeah i was uh front row seats the whole time I had best seats in the house <laughs> <laughs> corn dogs jackie corn dogs for all these people the tropics win and this crowd is going crazy crazy for corn dogs this is when jackie fails to stop the corn dog uh corn dog night. quota from being uh being met 126 points were scored in that on that game and so he has to give everyone in that uh, stadium corn dogs of course he makes a victory lap right out the door uh so he doesn't have to be held accountable but um i thought that was was like a hilarious line and that like like his like the ruin of his life is going to be corn dogs. Like he overpromised on corn dogs. Like, <laughs> but not only that, but all these people showed up. Like he was nervous about the number of people that showed up, and he was like, <laughs> "We don't even have corn dogs." Well, also how I love how the um, the ref like he's also in charge of officiating like the corn dogs. Like he he's not only like enforcing the rules of the game, but also like the, the rules that are made up about what the fans get if certain things happen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, good stuff. Monix! What's up, man? Hey, check out the jersey. <laughs> I'm you. Yeah. <laughs> this is a classic Kyle quote. Oh, yeah. Big time. He had his Kentucky jersey. He was a, a college fan. Oh, it was so funny. I love I loved the way he says, I'm you. Like, he doesn't, like, he has to spell it out. Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's really good. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I appreciated Kyle for his um, satirization of the classic sports fan, even if it is a little unfair. Um, well, I mean, it's, just, it's supposed to be co- uh, comedic, right? So Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, it, this also leads to, to the next scene, right? Because if that's how he really feels, if he's like, I'm you, uh, then what right. happens right after only makes perfect sense. Exactly. And he's played by um, Rob Cordry, uh, who's a, a great comedic actor. Oh, yeah. So he looks so young in this movie. He does. He has hair. He's normally bald, so that might have been a wig. 
I'm sorry, I don't know what just happened. A very unusual series of moves just made the ball go in. This is how uh, Dick Pepperfield uh, describes the alley-oop when he first sees it. Um, it's, it, is, it is great. The whole reaction to this, we talked about this earlier, is so hilarious. Just having the, the whole audience like go silent. Everyone on the on the court doesn't know what what to say or what to think. Even like Father Pat, who's supposed to be you know officiating the game, doesn't understand what he just witnessed and thinks it was some sort of like must be some sort of error in the rules, some you know transgression. So uh, I don't know. I I really liked that whole um, uh, reaction to the alley oop. I thought that was uh, a really really funny gag from this movie. Oh yeah, alley oops are epic too. That's one of the that's another reason why I love basketball is they have some of just the coolest stuff like dunks. And I mean alley oop is kind of a dunk anyways, but they just have so many like things that look so cool while they're being done. You know, even if they're all basically the same thing, scoring. But the alley oop is one of the coolest ones. Okay. <laughs> all right, Joey. I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, I'm going to start with the origins of the alley-oop just because we were just talking about that. And I am surprised that you didn't bring this up because this is right up your alley. Oh, really? Yes. So the alley-oop was actually invented in the 1950s as a San Francisco 49ers play, um, which was a high-arcing pass from a quarterback Y.A. Tittle to a wide receiver uh, R.C. Owens. And would, would, he would outleap smaller cornerbacks for a touchdown receptions known as the catch. Um, and there was actually a famous uh, touchdown reception from, John, uh, from Joe Montana. Well, you're cringing at me. No, I'm sorry. Keep going. The, 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 uh, the touchdown reception from Joe Montana uh, to uh, Dwight Clark, um, which actually won or actually got the, uh, the 49ers into their first Super Bowl. Um, and it was also known as an alley-oop. Alley-oop is a, it's like a variation of the French phrase for like, uh, like jump in the air, I think. It's like a, from like a gymnastics perspective. Okay. So they're saying that like the catch was an alley-oop? Yes. Okay. What? That's also just, that's that- also just a, a catch, you know? Like- <laughs> okay. It, but it, it has its origins in football is the idea. Okay. And it was, call, it was called this um, because like, the French alley oop is like very, uh, um, uh, very descriptive of what was happening. And then later, it, like it was uh, introduced into uh, basketball, um, but it was very much like uh, decades before 1970, uh, which is when this movie takes ah, place. Is okay. in the 1970. So it was, it was, uh, it was already existed, and people had already started guarding against it and, and uh, working around it um, by the time that the events of this movie are supposed to uh, Got it. Uh, take place, but. Also, okay, there was actually, um, so the Tropics, uh, who are the team in the, in, the, in the movie, aren't a real team. But uh, Flint, Michigan did have a real basketball team called the Flint Pros, uh, which were part of the Continental Basketball Association oh. uh, from 1972 to 1973. They didn't last very long. They were losing money pretty fast, but it was this whole thing. Um, during that time, there was all of these uh, attempts to undercut the mainstream um like the major league uh sports associations like there were alternatives to the nfl alternatives to the nba and the mlb that were that were popping up um and trying to like steal players away from them and everything and eventually they all kind of end up merging and new teams got added and new regions got added and everything but um it was an attempt to kind of 
uh, make a grassroots campaign. And one of these uh, attempts was the Continental Basketball Association. Uh, for the Flint pros, uh, there was a, a man named Julie Surges, who was the owner, manager, and coach. And his son, Drake Surges, was a player on the team. So kind of a, a reminiscent of Jackie, uh, of Jackie Moon. Although they interviewed uh, Drake and said and asked him if he, like, how he felt about the portrayal of the team in uh, semi-pro. And he said, oh, it's, it's not the same thing at all. Like, this is clearly a fabrication everything and he was totally you know it's like there's no way anyone would ever uh, like confuse that man with my father or me so there's no i, I don't i'm not offended by this at all oh okay so. well i mean the uh the multifaceted owner manager coach that's uh, exactly close enough for me <laughs> yeah exactly um I, they, obviously this all folded pretty quickly but um it was uh, a pro basketball team attempt in flint michigan uh there were also uh, a group of players called the flintstones which was like a nickname given to them. Uh, there were four players, well, actually only three players from the Michigan State Spartans uh, that drove or led the Spartans to win the 2000 NCAA Men's Championship uh, for basketball. And these, uh, these three players were called uh, were, uh, Mantine Cleves, uh, Morris Peterson, and Charlie Bell. And then Antonio Smith was also a member of this, but he actually graduated before they went to the championship. Uh, but he was like the fourth guy. But they called them the Flintstones? Yes, because they're all from Flint, Michigan. That's awesome. That's a great nickname. Also, uh, recently, as of 2016, Flint, Michigan has another pro team called the the Vehicle City Royals because apparently they make cars up in Flint, Michigan. Um, but I have no idea if this is even a real team. I found all these articles saying that they were playing their first game in April of 2016, and that was it. Like uh, on some official scored keeping website, I found two games from them and there's nothing else about them, about whether they still exist or whether they played or anything. And their first game was played in a, like a high school basketball stadium. So I don't know if this is real or non-existent anymore, but it was an attempt at a professional basketball team in Flint, Michigan. Well, Vehicle City is definitely right. Remember when they were talking about how uh, Jackie Moon is like the greatest person who has ever lived from uh, Flint, Michigan. <laughs> yes. And they're like, yes. You could be more to Flint, Michigan than anyone other human. Yeah. And he's like, well, maybe uh, excluding Henry Ford. Yes, definitely the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. One last thing to talk about. And this is parody versus satire. And I want to kind of get into like what the differences are. Um, is this movie a parody or is it a satire? And like the. The differences are subtle, but they're important. A satire uses the format of the thing to tell you why this thing is fundamentally flawed. It's, um, it's almost like it seeks to destroy the thing that it's parroting or the thing it's using. A great example is Watchmen. Um, Watchmen uses the format of a comic book or a superhero story to tell you why superheroes as a concept are fund- fundamentally flawed. Um, and it uses all the same tropes as that you recognize from other superhero movies and uh, or comic books or whatever, and deconstructs them in a very um, like complete way. You could say there's other obviously there's lots of satires out there. John Stewart, everyone who's descended from John Stewart, uh, who does their own shows, is kind of a, a satire on the typical news network. Uh, Team America, World Police, great example of some uh, satire. Uh, that's a great movie if you haven't seen it. I've seen uh, parts the guys of it. who did the guys who did uh, South Park. Parody, on the other hand, uses the format of the thing to celebrate some aspects but make fun of others. It kind of seeks to improve. Examples of that are like The Lonely Island, who like they make fun of music, but or like or pop music at least. 
Spaceballs, the movie Airplane, Vampires Suck. Remember that terrible movie talking about Twilight? This all, like, this is saying, oh, uh, we're making fun of this thing, but we're also kind of celebrating it and showing, like, some of the great parts and using some of those parts to show how uh, this thing could be so much better. And I think this movie falls into the parody um, uh, category. And the reason is because it has all these elements of kind of a, cl a classic sports movie, but it's all undercut, sort of. Like, the example, them winning fourth place, which in the end doesn't even matter. Like, their, their quest to win fourth place means nothing by the end of the movie. Um, there's all the ridiculous stunts for promotion, like Corndog Day or the $10,000 possible shot, the bear wrestling, the undersea, under the sea dance with the like the, the costumes, the choreography <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite bits. Uh, like then there's the like you know the crazed fan who's obsessed with the traffic, who's seen as like this person to ridicule uh, Kyle, um, and then Jackie Moon being this one man operation who has like this vision, but he's also kind of delusional and crazy. Um, and then of course the new technique of the alley oop to win the day and all that. So like all of, all the classic sports movie tropes are come into play and then they're kind of undercut in a way um but not enough for it to be super biting it's more like oh sports movies are great but they have some you know they're also kind of silly aren't they uh, and this movie kind of takes that to the next uh to the next level yeah i agree i would say parody more than satire because it um i don't know it it, it wasn't biting enough it's not no, uh, definitely not it it didn't make me hate sports movies it doesn't yeah and it doesn't have anything really to say at all okay well i think that leads us straight to our ratings uh do you want to go first to rate sure. semi-pro i give this movie uh one hail mary shot from across the court oh nice uh <laughs> <laughs> i actually mine is kind of uh similar to that i give this movie two thousand three hundred dollars cash when ten thousand dollars was promised good that's a good one all right, Joey, that's it for Semi-Pro. Um, do you want to tell everybody what we're going to do next? The next movie we're doing is called Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, I, I don't even... You, this movie's pretty recent, right? Yes. I don't... I can't even remember if I've seen, like, ads for it. You are not prepared to watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> is it, can I get prepared, or am I just... <laughs> There's nothing I could say that would possibly prepare you excellent i knew the twist and i was still horrified oh god all right well i'm <laughs> i'm looking forward to it um but we still uh we still have a, a phone line don't we joey yes we do do you do you know what our number is uh i think it's 833-600-CHAT yeah that's right 833-600-2428 call us anytime we're always available that's right call us up Leave us a message and we'll play it on the podcast. Operators are standing by. <laughs> it can be anything you want. We promise we'll play it because we're actually Please. we're paying money for this service. We're paying money to have a phone line that you guys can call into. So uh Please make our make our money worth it. Um so that one more time, that's 833-600-2428. Yes, six eight three three six hundred chat that's right and also don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and um don't forget to leave us a review yes those help us so much really if you you're still listening right now go write that review <laughs> or at least give us five stars please that helps so much uh you can reach us on twitter at affable chat or send us an email affable chat at gmail.com 
And we also have a YouTube channel, which is known as Affable Chat. Just search Affable Chat. Yes, we are. It's that easy. It's that easy. Um, but that's going to do it for our episode on Semi-Pro. So for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.